In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Brothers and sisters, in the teaching of the Gospels of the New Testament in general, of the Church and the tradition of the Church, the Church has taught us, our faith has taught us, that the relationship between what we believe and the way we behave, this is a cohesive relationship. This is a, uh, there's a bond between these two. One comes out of the other. We behave according to what we believe. We act by what we understand. So the framework by which we think about the world, about ourselves, about God, about one another, that's going to dictate how we act in society, at home, within ourselves, etc. So it's important to believe the right things. That's why true Catholic faith is essential for true Catholic behavior. Now there's a subject in theology called soteriology. This is the theology of salvation. How are we saved? And I'm not going to get into it in all the scholastic language and stuff. That's annoying. I'm going to give it to you, I'm going to try to give it to you in an image. Imagine, imagine yourself, your soul, your, who you are, your body, everything about you. Imagine it for a second like it's a house. Okay? And for a house to be built correctly, a good foundation has to be has to be poured, the measurements have to be right, you have to have the framing right, etc. You have to do everything right. And when you do it right, the house is built and it functions as a good dwelling place for human beings and you can rest assured that the house will be safe for you. But if it's not built right, or if within the building process, things went wrong, measurements were, were incorrect, the pouring was bad, it's uneven, the wood that you use for the framing is not good, then the house will begin to crumble apart. Even worse, if after the house is being, being built, done being built, somebody comes up with a sledgehammer or something like that and breaks all the windows and just starts going, beating into the, the framing of the house and the house just gets ugly and it starts falling apart, it's not really a good dwelling place for human beings. You just can't live in it anymore. If there's mold, if there's cracks in the ceiling and it, the water comes in and it starts molding up, you can't live in it anymore. Salvation is this. The way Christianity looks at salvation is it looks at the human person and sees, is this a broken person or is this a well-formed person? Sin is the sledgehammer that beats against the house, which is our bodies and our souls. The foundation of building a house is really important. Same with the foundation of building a human person, which is why it's important that parents are good parents. It's important that parents teach well, that they set good examples for their kids, because you're laying the foundation for the life of this child. Nevertheless, if a house is not built well from the beginning, as it grows, houses don't grow, as, it, as the soul grows up, as the person grows up, the person himself is responsible, becomes responsible for fixing any of the deficiencies 
that went into the building up of his person, many of which is not his fault. But as we grow up and we become adults and we become responsible, then we become responsible for ourselves as well. And soteriology, salvation in the Christian faith means putting this house back in order, making it a proper dwelling place for us and for God, where God wants to dwell in us. Sin is the sledgehammer though. Sin is the bobcat that wants to just run straight into the house and destroy it. Sin is ripping out the shingles on the roof. It is destroying the foundation of the house. It is destroying the, the wood and the interior of the house so that at some point it just comes crashing down. That's what sin is. That's why the church tells us. That's why Christ tells us. That's why the apostles tell us, watch out for sin. Don't do it. And salvation means that we are well put together so that when we go to God, when we die, when we go to God, what are we presenting to God? Is it a crumbled house? No. Otherwise, it's not going to happen. It's going to have to be a house well put together, a proper dwelling place. That's why our Lord so many times in the gospel talks about hell and heaven because these are real things. And I say honestly, we have forgotten this fact. No more do we talk that much about, I shouldn't do this because God will judge me one day. We don't really talk like that anymore. We don't really think about, is this gonna be good for my soul or not? Is this gonna be good for people around me or not? We don't really talk about where we're going, the ultimate destination. We don't talk about that very much anymore. This is in theology also called eschatology, the study of the last things, death, judgment, heaven, and hell. Our Lord talks about them oftentimes in the gospel reading because he's warning us, he's telling us. The Son of Man, when the Son of Man comes on the clouds of power, he will send his angels who will separate the goats from the sheep. And then on the right, he will tell the sheep, come into the kingdom of the Father, which has been prepared for you from the foundations of the world. And on the left, he will send the goats out into the outer darkness where men will weep and gnash their teeth. This is our Lord talking, what, Jesus again. Many will come to me on that day and say, Lord, Lord, did you not preach in our streets and eat with us and all these things? And he will say, I do not know you. Depart from you, evildoers. Their men will go out into to the outer darkness. Again, in the gospel reading today, our Lord warns us and he says, if your hand or your foot causes you to sin, cut that thing off and throw it away from you. It's better to be maimed or lame. It's better to be dismembered than to go into hell. If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. Better to go with one eye into heaven than with two eyes into the hell of fire. Our Lord is constantly mentioning these things and we are constantly forgetting about them. This is not something that the world takes very seriously any longer. And it's very unfortunate. When I have conversations with people about the faith and about the salvation of their souls, they're simply not that interested. When I tell a, somebody that gambles, somebody that's addicting, addicted to gambling, hey, you're ruining your family, 
you've wiped out your bank account, your wife and your kids, they need to survive, and you just keep gambling your money away. They don't care very much. And then I end up telling them, you're going to be judged by God for this. Do you understand? You can go to hell because you wanted to play at the casino. You can actually go to hell because you play poker. Yes, that's true. And still, it doesn't make a dent. This is an unfortunate reality. That sometimes, Jesus tells us these things just to kind of scare us straight. And that's okay. That's okay to do once in a while. It's good to get scared straight once in a while. It happened to St. Teresa of Avila. St. Teresa of Avila was a nun, this is in the 1500s, when it was really, let's say, socially not just acceptable, but prestigious to be a monk or a nun. Back then, it was. She entered the convent for ill reasons, let's say, and she was kind of actually living the high life in the, in the convent. And she didn't take it very seriously. She didn't take living out the faith very seriously for about 20 years until she was, I think it was 42 years old, when Jesus showed her a vision and she saw the place prepared for her by the devils in hell. And she said, it was absolutely scary. She said, I've never forgotten it. Every time I think about it, I remember the feelings. She said it was hellfire, it was brimstone, it was smelled bad, she said, but the worst thing was the feeling inside of absolute darkness and absolute loneliness and absolute anger and bitterness at life, and that would be for all of eternity. Christ showed her that to tell her, to warn her, this is where you're going, Teresa of Avila. This is, where you're, this is what your behavior is getting you. Straighten up. And she did, and she really thanked God for that. She says so often how grateful she was for that moment, even though it really did scare her. What does this mean for you and me? We have every one of us, and I'm including myself here, of course, we have every one of us repetitive sins. Call them addictions, call them bad habits, whatever you want to call them. These are impediments to the grace of God. Remember the house. The house, every one of us have been built on a pretty bad foundation. We call that original sin. Every one of us have had sledgehammers, plenty of them, beating into our house. God just wants to be invited onto the property so that he can fix up the house. Not you and not me, none of us, like nobody before us, will go to heaven because we're perfect. None of us are perfect. No saint, except for the Virgin Mary, no saint went to heaven because they're perfect. And no one goes to hell because they're sinners. Every single one of us is a sinner. Every saint that's in heaven was a sinner. We go to heaven because the grace of God enters us and transforms us and fixes us up and heals us and restores us to what he intended for our own glory. But people go to hell because they impede that grace. They stop that grace from, out, from allowing God to enter and transform them. It's too hard. They like the crumbled house. It's more comfortable. They're used to it. This is a wake-up call from our Lord telling us, whatever stops the grace of God from entering your heart, whatever addiction, whatever bad habit, whatever repetitive thing that you're doing that's keeping you from becoming the person who God made you to be, cut that thing off and throw it away as far away from you as possible. 
nothing is worth. You know, Jesus says in another part, what good is it for someone if they gain the whole world, but they lose their soul? Brothers and sisters, I'm going to end my homily with a story. This is a story that Pope Benedict tells us in the beginning of his first volume of Jesus of Nazareth. It's a wonderful book. You should read it. He says, in a little German village, there was a troupe that came into the village, this little circus, a, a little show. They came into the village, and they were doing their performance. They were doing all these things. And they wanted, you know, grabbed a little bit of a crowd, but a fire broke out. And when the fire broke out, it started really kindling badly. And if people didn't get out soon, it was going to consume everybody. So the clown of the circus, in his kind of desperation, went throughout the whole village warning everybody, there's a fire, there's a fire, he's screaming. And the more he screams, the more people laugh, and the more they laugh, the more he screams, and it's just this repetitive cycle. People are not taking him seriously. This is a clown. He's probably just advertising for the, for the circus. And what a great performance. But the more they laugh, the more he despairs. Until the fire consumes them all, and it takes up the entire village. The clown, in Pope Benedict's words, is the religious man or woman today. The clown now is the person who believes in God, who's telling the world, there's a fire coming, there's a fire coming. Be careful, take care of yourself. Make sure that you repent. Make sure that you t don't sin. Make sure that you receive the grace of God so that God can transform you because the fire is going to consume us all. And everybody sits and looks at that clown and they laugh. That is the world today. But don't be the world. Jesus said, we are in the world, but we are not of the world. Brothers and sisters, remember what, what the words of our Lord if your hand or your foot causes you to sin, if your eye causes you to sin, remove it from your body and throw it away so that the house can be rebuilt through the grace of God. Amen.